Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. My brain was very active yesterday, so when I was thinking about our topic, and we talked about extending the discussion on pain, I always bring like five things together, and uh, this idea of how we gaze our our prolonged look at life creates a perspective and a perception and uh we each are in different circumstances in life and Chrissy you're making like a drastic change mm-hmm. so I'm curious how that's affected your gaze and your perception and um but before we start uh, I want to point out um I looked at this topic a few years ago and I found all these studies. I even have some DVD somewhere on perception studies and they can demonstrate that people do not see everything in their visual field. And mm-hmm. like one of the exercises was um, they have a picture with a dot and then all these little particles moving around the dot and they have you focus on the dot and all the particles disappear. From your visual field. Yeah. I've done that before. It's really trippy. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I and, come, or not come from, but one of my hobbies, I guess, is um, is true crime. And they talk about how eyewitness testimony or eyewitness is not necessarily the best form of evidence because we don't see the gorilla walking, you know, through the you know the video at some point because we're so focused on what our perception is like what we think is more important yeah and that's an actual test where they have people pass two teams passing a ball around 
and they say, count how many times the white team passes the ball. And in the meantime, a gorilla walks right through. And mm-hmm. most people watching it don't see the gorilla, the uh, full-size gorilla. Mm-hmm. And, and they've done ones where they actually like have people coming up to a counter and engaging with a clerk. or And they'll change out the clerk and people don't notice. Mm the change well that's that would be interesting it's like yeah. you're wow. actually fo- you should be focused on that clerk um yeah but you know how many times you're on the phone or you're texting somebody or talking to somebody else it's fascinating I guess it just depends on like what you're interested in or what your desire is in the in the moment it's like if you're just interested in money or because you think like we could all be walking down the street and see completely different things. If you're interested in money, you just might like see the banks as you go along. Or if you're interested in like dating men, you'll see all the the men, like <laughs> the good looking guys on the street. Or like mm-hmm. if, you're interested, if you're hungry, like you'll see like all the food stand or the supermarket. But yeah, yeah, it is like we all... <laughs> it makes you realize we're all living in such a different reality based on like where your mind is at or what your desires are. When we would take my dad for rides around the city in the last couple of years of his life, he would talk about the different buildings, which ones he built or which ones he thought had, had um, how much they cost at one time in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. About cost. Yes. Price. (laughs) Yeah. When we were looking at like real estate and houses, I noticed that I started looking at every house and noticing Mm -hmm. all the little details that I never noticed before or noticing all the for sale signs that I never noticed before. And yet we often don't get to change our perception like you've been able to. Mm -hmm. And all of us, all three of us, I guess if we want to talk specifics right now, so I like as a reminder, um, I am taking essentially a sabbatical from work life and um, traveling around the country and experiencing different things with my husband. And um, we are um, uh, kind of fi- trying to find, we're using this time not only to connect and like be with family and friends, but and explore, um, but also trying to find like kind of where we want like our life to go and what it looks like and where we want to land. Um, so we're definitely more aware of like what we want out of a city that we're living in or like where, what type of, um, and that includes like lifestyle and weather and size and resources and, and stuff like that. Um, so we, we've been, I, I think I, I feel like I've been um, uh, like thinking about where we're staying in different places a little bit more in that regard. Um, and then I've also noticed, I've been telling Kurt too, like um, I am much more aware of my um, subconscious tendencies that I used to do. Like, um, uh, like for instance, if I have a knee-jerk reaction of maybe judging someone that's walking down the street or um, we're in a conversation with people, what I would 
say what I would usually say before um, I am more aware and I stop before judging or thinking or something like that or are saying something, um, which is really, really cool um, because I much rather be aware before I say something that might be rude or considered rude or judgmental or blaming anything. Um, I'm much more aware of where those like knee-jerk reactions come from um, and trying to make sure that that doesn't happen as often. So that has been really, really nice. Yeah. So space between the, the um, perception and the reaction. Yes. And if I do react in a way that maybe isn't as kind as I would like to be, and, and I'm not saying like, I've never, I've never been someone who's going to be really rude to someone, you know, no matter who they are. Um, but I still might think it right. You know, or you might be a little bit more, um, a little bit more, uh, reactionary. And now I, I do seem to pause a little bit more before I react, which has been really nice. So what do you think the fizzy, can you describe the physiologic effect of that being able to slow down like that? Do you feel a physical? Uh... Yeah. I've been feeling that my sleep has gotten better. Mm. Um, and it's becoming more consistent where I get tired at the same time and I wake up kind of at the same time. Um, uh, it's not a hundred percent consistent, but I do feel like my sleep is better and more consistent. Um, my hunger cues are are more um, consistent too, where I feel this natural, um, oh, I'm getting hungry. And I know, and I'm helping myself know like when to like stop eating, even if there's still food on my plate. Um, my hunger cues are more consistent. And I think the last two would also be like my bowel movements are more regular too. Um, Cause like Sarah, you always talk about how like, really within the first hour that you wake up you should feel like you have to have the urge to go to the bathroom yeah and um usually when I was before I would probably not really feel an urge until like the early afternoon um but now it's like within the hour that I wake up and then the last one is uh, I tend to have like if I'm going to hold stress or have tension anywhere in my body it's the right side of my neck um and it doesn't happen as often like yes there's still tension and yes like there's a story here and many mm-hmm. aspects that still need to be addressed. But um, I, it doesn't bother me as much. Like I don't have as much headaches or as much, um, mm-hmm. or as much um, tension, um, tension that causes pain in that area too. Oh man. So then our topic of pain creeps in and it's really, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Oh, I just think yeah. it's cool that you could relate all those things to what you were saying originally of just being able to pause between yeah. the, what you see and then your reaction. I'm just oh, yeah, yeah. I'm amazed that that like that they're related. I mean, it makes sense, but it's just really cool. Yeah, I think it's probably it most likely is because I'm not as much in a fight or flight zone as I am mm-hmm. before, which then allows you to have more space and not be so reactionary. Um, I also want to say like, well, not only did like, I took a sabbatical from working, we like sold our house, which like allowed us freedom and 
resources, aka money, to be able to do this. So we have privilege in that sense that we were able to buy a house at the right time, sell the house at the right time, and have family support in that whole situation. Um, so I, I do understand that what exactly what I'm doing is very privileged and that everyone can have that capability. And so finding a way that you can create these little moments of awareness or safety without doing the thing, like while still maintaining a job and maintaining a household and all of that kind of stuff that um, there are ways to do that. Uh, you just have to be creative and find new ways to do that. Mm-hmm. to slow down mm-hmm. yeah 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 um, do you think that you're seeing things differently or do you are you seeing more of your environment than you did before or i think that is slowly slowly improving um i think the first month and a half of our travel so far has been kind of faster paced than I think majority um than most people on this journey would have just because we um quickly had to get to Ohio and then we spent like the holidays with people and then we quickly went from Ohio to Florida and then you know being in Florida, it's been a lot, my parents are still working, right? So, um, you know, they're not, we're not necessarily uh, um, like doing all the adventuring, you know, kind of right now, it's a lot of more of just like hanging out the house and, and being with family, which is super important too. Um, so um, I don't think, I don't think we're quite yet at that looking at in the world and, and be, be more receptive of hearing sounds and smelling smells and seeing colors. Like we're, I'm not quite there yet. That might take a while. That's coming. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you guys yeah. are going to do some camping, get out mm-hmm. in nature. It was really interesting. Cause we, we went to the largest, our, we just happened to be in Florida when the largest RV show in the country was happening and that's how we were able to find the right trailer for us. And um, it was amazing. Like, because of our car, we have to have a less than a 5,000-pound total weight pulling in the trailer. And which sounds like a lot. However, I mean, out of all of the available trailers out there, maybe 5% were, like, what we needed. And we would walk through some of these absolutely stunning, amazing RVs. And I'm like, but wait, isn't the point to be outside? Like, <laughs> like we have this huge trailer that has a king bed and three lofts and an island in the kitchen. And we're like, whoa, wait, wait, like, you're also supposed to be outside. Like, why do we have all this space? And I know that's naive. Like, I, I've never done this camping thing before. Like, my family didn't grow up camping. So, um my perception is skewed and maybe um what instead of and maybe the reality of camping is different than what i think but i just thought that was really interesting about only five percent were the size that we need um and which i think the smaller that we're going it allows us to be outside more um and 
be in fresh air and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting as we go through this to see if it actually comes to fruition. I heard that some people were making New Year's resolutions to be outside a thousand hours Mm -hmm. in the year. And I was thinking, well, that'd that'd be like over three hours a day. And that's true. Um, I don't get outside that much. And so it'll be very interesting to see, we'll have to revisit what the impact is to be outside. But I actually, because of some stuff I'm working on in my health, was looking up about the effects of the sound and environment on um, the nervous system and nervous system health. And sure enough, there's research out there. There's uh, my first dive just came up with the effects of nature sound on, you know, benefiting one's health. Oh, yeah. I used to camp a lot when I lived out west, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I was working at Therapy Solutions on the weekends, and I'd be outside all <clears throat> all weekend. And I remember that specifically. It would be like as I go into, we'd go into nature, my ears would, like, almost ache. <laughs> and then it would mm-hmm. they would relax. And then I felt like my perception of sound really, I don't know, like opened and then I'd go back into out of nature and I don't know, just feel clearer in general or like I could more aware of other sounds and maybe sometimes maybe overstimulated going back. Um, So yeah, I can definitely relate Mm -hmm. to that with the sound. Yeah. We took my grandson bowling and the bowling alley was very popular this weekend. <clears throat> um, the, the wait was two and a half hours. So we oh spent an hour in the arcade and then ate dinner and then play and then bowled. So we were in the bowling alley for four hours and oh it's lights and sound oh and gosh, yeah. people and, uh, I'm, I was there and I was like, you know, I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm doing okay. But wow, that night I, I had a hard time sleeping. I could, I had trouble falling asleep and uh, staying asleep. We were just talking about that, like regarding Gordy, I, my one or 15 month old now, like how, um, I'm kids don't really need a lot to be entertained because they're so present with every little thing that's like amazing to them um and so it always shocks me when so many kid toys are are very flashy or loud or like the kids tv shows are really can be really like crazy (laughs) and really Uh overstimulating um and and then um i guess it got brought up because my dad has been reading a book, the same book to him over and over and over again. Uh, <laughs> he just loves that. And every time they actually read it more slowly and get into more of the details of the picture. Um, oh, wow. And I noticed that when there's a new book, Gordy will like flip through it really fast. But um, he does, I, I think that's true of other kids too. They do well when they can just have fewer things. <laughs> that they can get into on a deeper level. Um, and that was the idea behind the Blue's Clues like TV show where they would just do the same episode every single day at the same time. And mm-hmm. some parents were like, what? 
is this a mistake? Why are you showing the same show? But it's actually based on research that kids actually learn better with less and just like this repetition. Um, and they don't really need all of that crazy, flashy, quick, fast paced stuff that I just, I don't know why we have that perception that kids want that because I don't think they really do or just makes them like sit in front of the TV and kind of look like zombies. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that is what parents want, but I just saw a video of a woman who like on TikTok and who replied to another person who made a video about how like she absolutely wants to be around her children like constantly and if they can't go like then I won't go and then this mom replied to it and said you know like I used to think like I was a bad mom because my children were constantly around me and I didn't always want to be around them. And she was like, it was because I actually didn't have a big backyard. Like now that they moved into this house and that has a bigger backyard, she's like, my children are outside. They've been outside for three hours. Mm-hmm. And, and because like they, they are, are enjoying the sounds and the smells and having the freedom of not being contained so much and she's like, oh, I missed like a big portion of the why, which is like we need to disconnect, right? And and I could be a better mom now because I'm not constantly um, catering to their needs because, but it's because their needs weren't being met right before, and now they are. So I thought that was really interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah winter is hard. But definitely, it's it. I have noticed that just even in winter, though, just going outside. I don't know. It is relaxing to both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's something about feeling trapped too. I I just switched Gordy to a a, a floor bed out of his crib, mm-hmm. and I swear, like when he was in his crib, he'd wake up and I'd have to get to him within a few minutes. But now I literally can, he he's good for like half an hour he's reading his book he's looking out the window he doesn't feel he feels that freedom to just explore and hang out um just can relate to that with even just having kids run around outside if they feel that freedom for some reason it's just everyone can relax mm-hmm. so shona how has the change in your life affected your perception and your gaze um my mantra this whole time of becoming a mom has been simplify and be present. Um, Cause, and I don't know how I explain this. Um, I think I'm trying to find that balance between thinking of or having a plan for the future for us as a family and for Gordy and also just being present and really enjoying the moment with him because I realized that time just goes by really fast. Um, and, and Gordy also is my teacher in, in this because his gaze is so, so present. Um, and he, he I, I recognize that and I, I really desire to like be in that, uh, in that perception of the world with him. Um, and so when I can slow down, yeah, I definitely find myself battling the, like, 
the the constant to do list um, as a mom and a householder and a business owner, <laughs> um, and of because we've got a lot going on, <laughs> like between Lex working and us like doing our short term rentals business and like owning a house and and then just just the daily upkeep of owning a house is like so much more than I imagined. And then, but then Gordy's sitting right there, like, you know, being like, look at this flower. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like that is, yeah. I just want to be in that world with you all the time. So I don't know. It's definitely, I, I think lately I have been able to, like put down my phone, put down the dishes. And if I can just be with him, instead of trying to like finish all of the dishes and he's like complaining, like to just sit down with him and be present and then go back to what I was doing. I think I've been trying to intersperse or how do I say it? Like uh, change my gaze throughout the day to being present and then, you know, planning and thinking and doing to being present um, in a different way rather than trying to like get it all done at once. And then it's the end of the day and I feel like I, ha- I haven't been present enough. So yeah, I, something like that <laughs> is happening with my gaze. Yeah. Well, kind of, I mean, it's such a big shift to go from, you know, just being responsible to yourself than to be responsible to another human being. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I've definitely gone recently been shifting into taking care of myself more, um, finding the time to work out, um, finding waking up earlier, doing self care in the morning, um, sort of shifting my attention to myself a little bit more so that I can feel better um, in order to take care of Gordy. So, so like when you first had him, that kind of ended your self care for a while. <laughs> Yeah, I had no idea. Like, you can't, <laughs> like, I was lucky if I could, like, take a shower. Like, taking a shower was such a luxury at that in the postpartum time. Or, like, going to the bathroom without hold, him, holding him crying. And I don't, yeah, self-care just became such a different story postpartum. Um it was like, if I could just sleep, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That kind of was just kind of a mess for me in my head. And then I've slowly just been like, as I get a little bit more space, as he gets a little bit more independent, I'm really trying to like bring a lot of attention to my own self care. Cause then it just reflects back on, on him. Like if I'm feeling better in my body and my mind, um, I can be more present uh, for him um, instead of in pain or anxious or um, not feeling good. Because <laughs> um, then I guess, I guess that makes sense though, because if I'm in pain, then that's where your gaze like kind of just wants to be outwards. And then if I be pre and then I become present with him, I'm like, Oh God, my body just like hurts or, my back hurts. Um, I guess I'm kind of relate this to 
to pain in general, I do think pain does have a big um, uh, connection to your gaze in that sense of like, as soon as your gaze becomes more totally present, you all of a sudden become aware of your pain. And then a lot of times we just want to like escape that again. So that that's interesting. So, you, you know, we work with people who go through pain around childbirth. That's not uncommon. And, uh, and to hear Chrissy's story and realize how um, a more demanding um, schedule led to pain. Now that you're in a lighter schedule, less pain. Now that you can be a more parasympathetic, less pain. And I think the whole birth process is just all sympathetic reaction, right? Like there's so much change, so much physical change and social and uh, everything and and there's some pain with it mm -hmm. and so this um so it's striking me is how we gaze can uh, result in pain mm -hmm. and our circumstances can demand how we gaze that's the other thing i'm hearing is it's very hard to to you know you might want to be one way but the circumstance draws you into another way. Yeah. And then the question is then with the circumstances that we have, where sometimes we can't make as drastic of a change as some of us have, then how can we create those little shifts in our gaze in order to improve our circumstances or our, how we've, feel in our body or how we react to things in our life yeah and like in the world we live in how do we make space uh because there are ways that we that we do things that it's demanded of us i guess the postpartum time is kind of like a, a big example of that of you all of having so much time and then all of a sudden you have very very little time <laughs> for yourself because all of your attention is demanded outside of yourself. Yeah. It's a little, little being. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of it, if, you know, so many women have to go back to work, you know. Right. So uh, yeah. So early. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, if I look at my own self, um, like what comes to mind is actually very current for me right now. Um, because a couple of months ago, I went off my thyroid medication. Out of what was changing in my body from my work, uh, my use of Ayurveda, and, and I had to go off it. It was driving my, it, it was getting too high. I could feel the symptoms of too much thyroid. And um, so now where I'm at is finding what was underneath the development of that thyroid problem. And it was actually chronic stress and how I mentally push myself. Like uh, my brain can be so active and it'll just wear my body right out. Um, and so now how do I, how do I change how I live? so that I can 
um, you know, live in this new space, it feels better actually to be off that thyroid medication in, in some ways. And I realized like, wow, you know, because it's so common to see hypothyroid in women. And what if the thing is this, and a lot of times it starts in pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for some women, it doesn't recover, which it didn't for me. And so then I was on thyroid medication. And I realized now that I'm off the thyroid medication, how that medication was, was helping, but it was also driving my nervous system under, underneath and, and, um, creating sort of a, there was, you know, was sort of this sense of anxiety because the real underlying problem wasn't the thyroid. It was something, you know, deeper. It was the driving forces of the doshas. And, uh, I, I, now I look at my patients and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're doing this to so many women giving them thyroid replacement so that you can stay in the race. I was just, I started a book called why we sleep. Let's look up who this reason. And it's um, Matthew Walker. He is a PhD uh, neuroscientist. And um, I'm literally only, I think 15 pages in and one of the most interesting statement that he made was our society hammers the fact of how important diet and our nutrition and exercise is to keep us healthy and long-term growth um, so that we reduce our disease risk and improve our overall lifestyle and he's like however sleep is probably more important than those two combined in mm-hmm. in terms of disease reduction and wellness. And he's like, well, it's because you can't be productive when you're sleeping, right? Like we cannot produce in a society when we're sleeping, but we can produce if we're eating more nutritiously and exercising our body and sleep is the is the ultimate like f you like to the productivity standards that we have in our life and so you know that's why we're making sure our thyroid is upregulated all the time um so that we can be productive and and however then it's counterintuitive because then we're just hurting our thyroid probably even more and requiring more medication and then we're going to crash at some point and then we can't be productive anymore. So we actually like created the problem or the, what people think is the problem. Right. Like obviously I'm within my life right now. Like I think it's absolutely ridiculous. The societal standards of what our productivity demand, you know, creates our worth. Um, and we can't, obviously we can't never be productive. Right. Like, that we have to produce something in our life to feel meaning and and how our life our society is built on goods exchanging goods for services and all that kind of stuff so like i i know we can't never not be productive 
but it is fascinating how we what we put our value on um, is a lot of times based on that productivity standard. Yeah, mm-hmm. which seems like a pretty masculine like mm-hmm. energy in the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking just as a woman and a mom, how like it is more um, feminine energy to to be more receptive and present and caring. And uh, I guess I'm thinking about like when you give birth, your your prefrontal cortex, which is the more productive thinking, cognitive planning part of our brains, like literally shut down. And then so, and then you have more, there's more energy into the uh, insula, the emotional part of our brain so that we can like be caring and present and receptive and connected to our babies. And so when we force this like productivity onto women, especially new mothers, um, you know, having to go back to work so early, it doesn't make sense. It's like, we're not really, it does like, we're not supposed to be in that part of our brains. And so we're not really living our fullest potential, like our fullest power is in like, that's how I feel like my fullest power right now is in my, like raising this child and like really loving him and caring him to the best of my ability and power. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's slowly getting more in back into my cognitive brain I've noticed, but especially in the earlier stages, like the first year, I really it just didn't make sense for me to be super productive. So I think like, it makes sense too, that more women have thyroid issues because we're really pushing women to be overly productive. And it's just not, I, it doesn't make sense neurologically, physiologically, like energetically to me. (laughs) And I I guess what I was reading about the neuroscience of new mothers (laughs) You know, what's interesting is what is coming up for me right now is, is how, what 80, like, isn't 80% of people that have autoimmune disease is, are women and, or in something in that matter, right? And there is this kind of shift or this battle between the feminine and the masculine. And then I think about men or society, who we deem men in society and how they are told like they can never have any feminine qualities or or softer qualities and then how does that relate to so maybe their dysfunction doesn't show up in the autoimmune aspect but it shows up in the mental health space and how it looks you know their dysfunction looks different compared to women um because they're not, even though women, women are constantly at that battle between balancing the masculine and the feminine, but for traditionally men in our society, they're not allowed to have any, any fight between the two. It's always has to be that masculine. So yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I bet yeah. there's something that gets them, uh, you know, because Oh, well, I mean, mental health, like, I mean, isn't that like the highest suicide rate, you know, domestic violence, you know, all of that shows up in mental health capacity. Um, 
And, yeah. you know, we, we might be looking at it differently, you know, how to help them might be, we need to embrace that softness. We need to embrace the feminine energy that they, that we all have, right. We all have the duality between feminine oh, and masculine. Yeah. I definitely so, noticed yes. that with Gordy too. He's a boy, but oh my God, I just love just like him being him. Like mm-hmm. he loves flowers so much. It's just the best. And it's like, well, it's our culture that makes it that feminine. But like, <laughs> like I'm not going to stop him from choosing pink clothing. And like, he's mm-hmm. such a sweetie. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I, I just hope that we can going forward, like bring balance with the masculine and feminine with each, within each one of us. And I know we all have that different balance and like, I feel like I have a lot of feminine energy within myself um, that I just want to, like, live in that power, like, in that fullest potential of my that femininity. And then also whatever masculine energy I have, like, really live that as well. And it's like, yeah, some men might be more feminine, energy balanced. And it's like, how can they find that that balance in a culture that doesn't really, but just, like, kind of hates on feminine energy in general. Yeah. In the both sexes, in all sexes. So. That's so neat you bring that up because, you know, Judy Dirks, the counselor at the clinic, who, and she and I do the Open to Your Authentic Self workshops. And um, she said the next topic should be the sacred feminine. And Ooh, so we're good. like, well, that sounds good, but I need to understand that concept more. So we're going through a book together and we found a book on the sacred feminine and the sacred masculine that what um feminine courage i can't remember the author is the the woman's book we're going through and um it really is um gives a different sensation to the idea of sacred and divine and what those qualities are and um trying to run a well running a business i'm not trying i'm doing it living this Mm -hmm life that's very, I love thinking, I love logic and uh, creating ideas. That's very, and the masculine, put it on the masculine end of things. And uh, so to be reminded of these feminine qualities is really, um, it's been um, different. Like her very first chapter was like well I don't really relate to that (laughs) experience you're describing it's called woman of courage feminine courage oh feminine feminine courage you might like it because you're you know like she really one aspect of it is really connecting to the earth Mm -hmm. Um, for everyone who's listening it's feminine courage remembering your voice and vision through a retelling of our myths and inner stories is that the one yeah does that have a ladies Uh, yeah megan dawn that's one yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah putting it in my cart right now (laughs) yeah it's uh oh i would love to hear what you think about it um it would be interesting to compare I, i was just reading about like the, um, I guess the the power, like how do you call it, sacred feminine energy, and then mm-hmm. versus toxic femininity, and sacred masculinity versus toxic masculinity. I think we hear the word yeah. toxic masculinity a lot, but I had not really looked. I'm like, well, what is toxic femininity? And <laughs> it was like where you start to feel sort of 
pass it in a like toxic way or like sub like there's nothing wrong with like being passive and submissive but it can I'm not an expert on toxic femininity. I'm just saying it would be really interesting, Sarah, as you go through this, like to maybe talk about the or the shadow sides that can come Mm -hmm. out um, when we're not balanced or within those energies or being maybe like too polite, like, Mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? My um, my therapist had said that term a while ago too and that's interesting that you also are re- are saying that right without talking to that therapist mm. right so yeah. yeah fascinating yeah oh that's i wrote that down i'm gonna bring that up to judy yeah so now was... oh go ahead go ahead sorry i was just no. saying like just I, it's probably coming up because as a mom and i'm trying to come more into my feminine power and also just kind of recognize maybe some of the toxic feminine traits of being you know too polite or too people pleasing um it just doesn't serve me anymore because i don't have time or energy for that (laughs) it's like just be in my power like as a mom like um and learn how to be that sensitive like empathetic person but have boundaries oh just being the mother of boys too i feel like being Owning one's own feminine power does not mean to put down men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And it's interesting, like, oh. what came up to me, too, was, was how we view toxic masculinity, which is, like, a hot topic now, right? Um, we deem it, it, it's destructive, right? Because there tends to increase domestic violence and suicide rates and um, hate crimes and continuation of the standard that a lot of men are forced to make that is not fair to them. They're, we view it as more destructive, but toxic femininity, like being a pushover or or having no boundaries, or it doesn't seem as destructive, but it is. Right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it just looks different. Um, it it's. Yeah, maybe, well, thankfully, maybe we're not physically hurting people, but having no boundaries and and having this savior complex, like, is also not, like, that can create, mm-hmm. uh, that can create other children and people as they grow up, people who also don't have boundaries, right, and also subconsciously are in fight or flight um because it goes against what they're against what they truly feel is right so yeah that's a it's a slow burn mm-hmm. yeah and just being able to recognize the difference between like because sacred masculinity is awesome like i love like i uh, there's something so amazing about masculine energy and its power um that is very like attractive to to the feminine mm-hmm. and me so it's yeah I never want to put down masculine energy because it's amazing mm-hmm. in its own right. So there's the dilemma kind of that we've touched on in different verbiage throughout this is like, okay, it would be wonderful to live in the parasympathetic all the time um, <laughs> or in this, this um, sacred feminine, which is more grounded, more spacious, um, yeah, 
more in the aesthetic yeah yeah like yeah caring. but our societies become more and more fast-paced um be more efficient be more productive make more money um you should be growing if you have a business you should be growing like where where does that come from (laughs) why should it be growing (laughs) um why isn't what i did last year enough for this year um yeah so i'm faced with that because i realize well if I'm going to continue on my path with no thyroid medication, I have to live a different life. What does that look like to you? Right. (laughs) Well, I'm just on the cusp of looking at this. And I think how I've stabilized myself to this point is create a work environment that's less demanding, you know, but then um, insurance requirements, um, you know, that drive um, documentation that, you know, just if you look at all the things that one needs to run a medical practice, there's so much more to it than there used to be. And I wondered then, even for other types of businesses, you know, the the rules and regulations, you got to make sure you're following and um, the risks we all take to work with people. Um, so those have increased in demand. Um, so how do we operate within that? You know, and, um, while reimbursement goes down, the amount of responsibility you take goes up. Um, the, the other thing is, you know, uh, like my, for my extended family, I can't control what happens to them but I care about them. So when they're going through hard times, <clears throat> that impacts me and I want to be available to them. But if I'm running a business, I can't. So there's a rub. <laughs> um, yeah. And you you just can't change the things that are happening in my, my per- little world or in the bigger world. Like, you know, I look at my last three years, three close people dead in my family. Um, you know, major upheaval for one son, another son with health problems, la, 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 you know. Um, so what am I going to do about all that? <laughs> How do I stay in the parasympathetic in that? And I, I'm i just at the point of realizing I probably need to do that. Um, you know, it's a choice I have to make. And what was funny was I was talking to someone who said, look at this, Sarah, you need to look at this, the level of chronic stress that you live under, no matter where it comes from. And you, you, you probably need to make space for managing this health problem, <clears throat> which right now is in the Western perspective would not be labeled a health problem. I would look like I'm doing better. Uh, but in Ayurveda, I'm still in a zone where this can shift into something worse if I don't find a way to be this way. So the the person, you know, gives me this nudge. And then I walk in to treat a patient who's, in, you know, I treat cancer patients. So the person's in the midst of cancer treatment, running um, 
having a very high level responsibility job, um, being a, a pillar in that person's family. She uh, has that, they have a high um, demand for the, themselves in their family. What I mean, they have to care for a lot of people in their family. Um, and this has gone on for years. And here I am telling this person, you have to make space to treat your disease. I just cracked up. I'm like, oh. just, just move over and let me talk to myself. <laughs> oh my God, our patients are our mirrors, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, and there, you know, there's cancer. There's one that we, you know, it's bad enough you should make time for. But even cancer, we keep people going. Like stay in your job, <laughs> you know, right? Like let's let's yeah. teach you to wear makeup so you look good during your, and we'll give you a wig, and no one will know. <laughs> you can keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, it's like when do we ever get to rest? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I I think my initial thing is that the way that we're asking people to work isn't allowing them to rest. So like there was a, well, and then also our insurance, our health insurance is based off of our job, right? So you have to have yeah. insurance to pay or for cancer treatments. Cause unless you're going to go bankrupt and which is a whole nother dynamic of like, you only deserve health insurance if you are productive in your job. Um, so that's a hard situation too. Yeah. True. I was um, listening. I can't remember some um, bit of news where anyway, the guy said in order that we need to move the minimum wage to $20 an hour. And he said, even if you calculate that, I don't have my calculator with me. I think he said it was $29,000 a year. $20 an hour. Yeah. That's, you know, for housing and food and like we have pinched people so much that right there creates tension and that how, how, and so then everyone's in pain. Oh, everyone's buying fentanyl <laughs> on the street. Oh my gosh. It's not even funny. Shouldn't be laughing. Yeah. Laugh or cry. It's just crazy um, laugh. It's just like craziness. That's yeah. Like and that's yeah. the the f fatigue. I mean, the fatigue, the pain, yeah. the dysregulation of sleep. I think is so amazing, Chrissy, that you're uh, all these basics of health just fall into place when you just can uh, reduce um, overstimulation. It makes me feel like I just have to believe that making those little choices throughout the day of being present, like when I'm washing that the dish, like I'm here, I'm making that that choice to be present for this moment. I just have to believe that that's going to affect my outer reality. Um, that if I can, like little by little, change my inner inner nervous system, my 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 gaze, my presence, then like my nervous system kind of will then affect what my reality on the outside is. And that all comes with like, as you gain more presence, 
then you learn like what's driving your decisions and your life. Um, I think it's fascinating that you've discovered that like your thyroid medication has been a driver in your reality. And now you're getting more in connection of like your true inner being and what's right for you. Um, yeah. As you've taken that layer away and it's not, it's not, I mean, medications can drive like your reality or what you decide to do in life, but also just your past traumas or your thought patterns or your belief systems. Um, and it's like, if we can get more aware of those and strip those layers little by little, we can get more in touch with like, who am I? And like, what is my true self and voice? And who, like, how do I want to live my life? Like what in a way that's most powerful to what I'm meant to do? Like, I don't know, that's hard <laughs> with everything we've got going on in this world. It's hard to really, to really know yourself in that way. Um, so I'm, that's, I guess that's why, why I'm just like, let's like, pick one tiny thing every day to just yeah. be present with. And it might feel like nothing, like it's not doing anything in that moment, but uh, I have to believe that over time, like it'll, it'll change my, my mind, my nervous mm -hmm. system and my, my gaze and presence in the world. And if we can't change the circumstances, we can grab onto the basics of going to bed and getting up at the same time, eating meals at regular times, uh, uh, trying to sync your hunger with those regular times and the bowel movements in the morning, just like you said, mm -hmm. Chrissy, that, mm -hmm. that will naturally happen when you're in a more calm state. But mm -hmm. If we work towards those, then we're finding, maybe that's a sign we're finding something, the calm in the storm, and that you are in less pain with that. That's mm -hmm. just tremendous. Mm -hmm. Speaks yeah. volumes right there. It does. Wow. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. This was great. Oh, yeah. It's just so good to be able to keep talking with you. It's okay yeah. if you don't work with me anymore <laughs> or work at the clinic. It's okay. I get to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 I always end up talking about what we've talked about, like with other people throughout the week. I'm like, oh man, we just like, or it'll show up. It's oftentimes it ends up being like perfect timing with something in my life. Like, oh man, we just talked about this <laughs> with yeah. Sarah and Christina. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I do. I do love it too. Yeah. All right. Well, I better get my day going. <laughs> we'll see good. you. Okay. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.